0: This is the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we talk with some of the most successful engineering leaders who reveal actionable management insights that help you take your developer team to the next level. This episode is brought to you by Sands, a software development agency building web applications from design to delivery with React, Node.js, and Angular. Check them out at codingsands.com.
1: Hi everyone, Karolina Tóth speaking, and this is the Level Up Engineering Podcast. In every episode, we talk with accomplished engineering leaders about different kinds of leadership challenges they face. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to share with you that if you sign up for the Level Up Engineering newsletter, you're going to receive new episodes two weeks prior to them being released to the rest of the world. So it's a really good deal. Click the link in the description and join our engineering leadership community. As always, I am here with another accomplished technology leader. This time it's Rod Garcia, VP of engineering for platform at Slack. And before we get into today's topic, let me just have Rod introduce himself. He's been at Slack for over three years and he's had quite a few experiences before that. So, Rod, welcome to the show. Please Thank tell you. us a bit about yourself.
2: Thank you, Carolina. Yeah, as you said, I'm Rod Garcia, I'm VP of Engineering at Slack. I'm based in the East Coast of the United States and in, in outside of New York City in an area called Long Island. It's a cold morning today. It is... 32 degrees, close to zero degrees Celsius, but yeah, I managed to stay warm here in my home office.
1: Awesome. Would you mind to tell us a bit about what your passions are and what you do for a living?
2: Yeah, one of my passions is really helping teams to do their passion, building up, you know, the best products, and doing that in a way that helps the teams to become a community. And in this world where you know we are all moving to a, to a remote first mindset. And this has been a big transition, and so I'm very passionate to find ways how teams can navigate this transition and actually helping everybody in their teams to do their best job from where they want, where they want to do it. So, yeah, that's uh, that's right now one of my passions. As I work, one of my hobbies, I have two big hobbies, I love doing pizza. I'm super passionate into pizza, though. I've been trying for a year to figure out different recipes. I uh, haven't succeeded. And prior to that, I tried to do really well with barbecue. My family and my neighbors say that actually I done well. But still, I think it's to be defined. I'm still trying.
1: Cool, cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. So to get into today's topic, we are going to talk about helping businesses create and manage human processes and processes with human Infusing efficiency into human tasks, we all know that sometimes we are trying to create efficient processes and sometimes that makes us less engaged Mm. and sometimes we are not as passionate about what we do because we need to do some unnecessary steps for the sake of processes. So today we will talk about how to make processes more engaging. Before we jump into the nitty-gritty, please tell us what your definition of process management is so that we can be on the same page with our listeners.
2: Yeah, thank you. You know, there are different approaches to process management. The one that resonates the more with my leadership style is that I like to describe process management itself as as a number of activities that we need to perform uh, as leaders in order to help a team to do their best job and the best work without having a lot of waste in the process, you know, as a rework. Also, how we call it in the lean world. As as leaders, constantly we need to listen, we need to work with the team to understand how their everyday operations, everyday tactics are are going. So I like to describe that process management like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you. If we can talk a little more about how... Processes are made. I imagine that you start processes with the business goals in mind, and then you kind of elaborate how business goals can be achieved. How does engagement come into play when it comes to business goals?
2: That's a great question. I think what's at play, fundamentally, I think we all need to understand the why. Right? Mm -hmm. If all teammates understand the why... What's the goal? What's the mission? What's the, what's the ultimate goal of the organization? If we all understand that, then processes in general needs to aim to that goal, right? Sometimes I think, especially for me as a leader, sometimes was, I think about this, you know, and, and I, sometimes I fall into the temptation of saying, oh, we could introduce a new process here or a new process there. But the question for me is that, to the point Carolina is like, how does this help the business? how this helps to achieve the objectives of the team. And if normally I don't have those the answer to that question, that's a sign for me probably to take a step back, you know, and reflect why, what I'm seeing that maybe I to use this process. So I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I think that's a good example on my mind that how, how the why, how the business objective influence the process conversation, um, but fundamentally uh, any action, Process or tactics or operations. To your point, Carolina, I think you know it needs to be aimed with the objective of the
1: business. So, if we talk about Slack in particular, what's Slack's approach to automation?
2: I love that question because personally, for me, as a as somebody that I'm I'm huge into you know automate my everyday life. For example, my lights here in the office, I press a button, the lights turns on, change the colors, they have different workflows in my workstation. I can to automate as much as possible. But when, when I take a step back uh, about automation, I like to I like to focus instead in the solution, right? Because for different people, in my opinion, the work automation might not be so familiar. So I like to focus instead in thinking about the solutions. Right? I say, okay, I do these repetitive steps. For example, using the example of my office, I come every morning to the office and need to turn the lights on, unlock my laptop, uh, log into to the different software I use to do my job, and repeat this number of steps every day. Wouldn't it be awesome that I just press a button and all those things are ready to go? So I, I really focus on that and how this connect with your question about Slack. You know, our mission as Slack is making you know work-life simpler, more pleasant, and more productive. And, and exactly, it's exactly that, right? And the, the, how we're f- focusing automation or the, how we are empowering workers to make their work simpler, more pleasant and more productive is actually by providing tools to them to leverage the different features we have in Slack and taking advantage that, you know, and now with the digital HQ where we're all remote, all the work is happening on Slack. So really, Slack is becoming this engagement layer, right? Where when we have all the content, the collaboration on the teammates, we can provide features so they can build their own solutions to these repetitive
1: steps. I love that Slack is an engagement layer. It is interesting to think about the communication platform that, in that manner. And with that said, please elaborate a little more on on what you try to automate? You mentioned that you help companies, you know, build up their own kinds of um, engagement tools. But but how should we how should we think about your approach at Slack? What what are the things that you that you automate and why? Yeah,
2: a good example. I think it's super. Perhaps it's simple, but perhaps shows the the power of this engagement layer you know and the way we are approaching it since we are all in the digital HQ now uh, I work for example in the case of Slack you know Slack is our HQ you know we are when i log into a slack i'm literally in the HQ of the business right so all my teammates cross functional partners everybody that i collaborate with every day is in this digital HQ um, so for example every day i try to log off early no longer, not later than 6 p.m. to take care of my family. You know, to play with my son, to be with my wife, uh, to prepare dinner, and so I can focus on them. That that for me is very really important, right? Uh, when mm-hmm. I want to have that time to focus on my family and to stay away from work. But how do I tell my teammates that I can work at, across different time zones that actually I'm focusing time on my family? So actually, build like a workflow that uh, when I'm stepping out from work, sets my status. To say, hey, focus in my family, and actually turn off notifications. Um, and that's a like workflow. Uh, we build, and we have a feature called Workflow Builder that allows you to create this, all different integrations. And then, when I'm stepping out for work, I execute the workflow and I set my status. I turn off notifications, so everybody can say when they're gonna send me a message, say, oh, okay, Rod is with his family, right? Right. So that's an example of the engagement layer, because allows folks. Since now we are in this remote first culture, which is great, provides so much flexibility, but also how we give the signal, right? How we give the signal to say, hey, uh, I might not be available for you right now.
1: Right, right, right. I actually just thought of this integration that we use at Coding Sense for being in a meeting. Mm-hmm. It says, you know, when, when you integrate Slack to your calendar, it will say, you know, this person is a meeting, which automatically signals that you might not be able to get a hold of this person just right now, even though they might be online. How did you get started with this approach to automation or to this integrated mindset of using Slack, in a way?
2: I think in this world, we're you know, well distributed. And, and it's great because you know after the pandemic, I think there's a large tendency in the industry around teammates really wanting to have the flexibility to where to, to work from where they want, but also wanting to have, you know, that human contact, right? Because we're in their office, you know, we're in the office, hey, we we'll say, hey, let's go for a walk together or let's share a coffee or just ask that question, how are you doing? So to answer your question, like how, how we approach and how we started to think like this is that for me, the, a simple question reflecting in these cases is how we will solve if we're co-located in the office, right? Using the example about the calendar, right, if we were in the office, probably the teammate might not be in the desk, will be in the meeting because we can see them. We can see the desk, right? In a virtual environment, that's more difficult because we, we don't have those interaction points. So I think what's important here is that how we, how we give the signals, how we help folks to discover when somebody might be available or somebody might be not.
1: Right. So in a way, it's the mindset of building those non-obvious signals Mm -hmm. that we are used to into the platform so that we can see in a way that somebody is, for example, not at their desk.
2: Actually, there's another side of this, which is interesting for me too, is that enterprises, for example, as operations and, and execution of the business perhaps becomes more complex, you know, uh, we have to react to different dynamics right now in the world. So companies are relying more and more with different systems that get more specialized, right? I'm imagining, for example, in the case of a financial institution, right? Maybe there might be a system that controls credit, another system that controls risk or fraud. All those systems help the business a lot, but also it becomes more fragmented perhaps. Right, so another point of view, the engagement layer, right, science, we're approaching Slack as this digital SKU, is that how we help teammates, for example, let's say if there's a, an event in a credit card, how we help people, they, in this case, somebody answering a call from a consultant, to just react to the case right away from Slack without having to perhaps log into multiple systems. How we enable that engagement and just to solve, again, the solution to execute that solution without having a teammate to have to log into different systems and instead engage with Slack to solve that.
1: So you're kind of trying to make everything come together in a way mm-hmm. and and make it easier for for the end user to not have to leave the platform of Slack but to have everything at hand, is that correct?
2: I would say perhaps sensor work is happening on Slack, Right, we're collaborating with your peers, with your team members, and the context is there in the in the channel of the team or in the channel of the project. We really want to bring these signals, right? Can be either is a teammate available to have a conversation, or oh, perhaps oh, we're gonna use this system to to solve this question, or hey, let's jump in to collaborate with this document together how we enable that so all the context is still present and we need to switch context back and forth, but instead we leverage the power of the LSQ where you can collaborate with, with your team to huddles, for example, and you can mm-hmm. jump into a call right there. Or since you have the conversation of the history of the case, perhaps, can we put a workflow there perhaps to resolve the case? So all the context is encapsulated there. So. Without objectives, just to make things simpler and folks to, to have, you know, a more productive life.
1: Most definitely. If you are working on creating processes for your people, perhaps some of our listeners are in the midst of creating new processes. Do you have kind of a system to recognize whether or not your processes and tools serve the business goals that we have talked about previously? Or what is your... Kind of recognition system for making sure that those processes are in line with what you have planned for?
2: I normally rely on in, in three areas to recognize that. First, listening. I always say that one of my favorite part of my job is one-on-one sessions. And, and I really mean that because in that space I'm, I'm not really curious and I like to listen to questions. I like to see the challenges and opportunities through the eyes of the teammates I work with every day. So to listen in that, I start listening pattern, patterns, perhaps. You know, I say, oh, okay, the pull request review process might be challenging. Oh, okay, it's taken us a long time to approve this pull request, or in um, the way we're reviewing uh, technical specs, uh, we're not getting the feedback we need in time, and you start listening themes, right? So that will be the first the first area, how to discover mm-hmm opportunities for for processes the second area for me is identify what are the metrics that the team we can all understand to say how how we are how we're measuring together right how we understand success and identifying some metrics that helps everybody to say okay these metrics will help us to understand how we're doing Right and you know each team is a universe by itself, so uh, different metrics can help the teams to to measure their, their progress but it's important as a leader to, to identify those so that we can get early signs if the systems we have in place are working or perhaps need some a little bit more attention and the third one is perhaps the more complex because it's the combination of multiple activities is that if we deliver the value, right we say we will deliver. And in order to get there, there are multiple things that need to happen, right? To to be there. And as the team makes progress and we get closer to the goal, really reflecting how close we are to achieve it. And if for some reason things are off track, again becoming falling back to the to the first point, which is hey becoming naturally curious to understand why. So normally those are the two things I rely to identify, you know, improvements uh, or as opportunities for process. And then work with the team, right? To say, okay, do we agree with this? Do we see mm-hmm. the same things? Uh, there's, a, there's a great book I read years ago, and I see, by the way, I check it out every year, once a year, it has become my, my go-to book. It's about um, Lean in software engineering. And, and, you know, Lean has this approach to us multiple times. So why? Because normally systems especially, you know, it's, it's multiple layers. So really to understand the improvement opportunities is really is really important to peel off these layers to the TechWad's opportunity.
1: I love that. Thank you. We will definitely share the book in the show notes. So let's steer or boat in a, in a little different direction. You have quite the experience in software engineering and in leading engineering teams. What are some of the common mistakes that you have seen in process management and that you would... Warn our listeners about?
2: Perhaps one of the, the most important areas that I constantly see myself, but also when I support leaders, is the temptation to optimize earlier process. It's kind of similar in software engineering, right? When we say mm-hmm. early optimization is always challenging because there's no the context to say if the optimization is good. I think the same applies to processes. I think there's Sometimes, as leader, there's a temptation that we always mm-hmm. need to balance confusing behavior with process, right? Um, when, when we say, okay, perhaps a behavior is not helping the team to, to achieve their goal, instead of uh, working the behavior, we put a process as a proxy to solve that. Many times I've seen that, you know, the outcome would not great because process not necessarily help to improve the behavior, the human behavior. Right. So um, I think that's where, you know, the most repetitive patterns of challenges I've seen and process on teams is to uh, try to address behavior uh, by using processes. Instead of having that coaching conversation, instead of having that uh, conversation with a teammate or with the team to reflect that behavior and and agree, perhaps, and see how we can make it better.
1: Right. Right. Most definitely. I just had this conversation with our CTO where I've been I've been saying this for a few years, you know, sometimes it's not a tools problem, it's a human problem. And without, as you said, addressing the human problem, there is not really a point in in implementing a new tool or in using a new process because that's not going to fix the internal struggles or problems of the team or maybe the internal conflicts that they might have that they need to solve first and then go on Mm -hmm. to the process. I
2: think, you know... On my mind, process help us to collaborate much easier, but the behavior, the collaboration, the trust is the one that power the process, right? Uh, Otherwise, without that, I think what's going to happen is that uh, I've seen this happening. The teams and this snowball effect that, you know, the, the behaviors, the challenges and the behavior continues, the process is in place, and these two things feed each other, right? And the process is not helping the team get more frustrated and it becomes this slippery slow process, right? So that's what they And then we say, oh, let's put another process. <laughs> let's put another change in the process and it becomes this layer of layer uh, where actually maybe you just meet a conversation with the team or with the teammate. And the team is, you know, continue working much simpler with less processes by achieving the goals.
1: Right. So it comes down to human engagement and, and making sure that uh, you are aware of what the true problems of your teams are you already have given us a couple suggestions as to what we can do in these situations but if you could if you could share a story of um, creating more efficient processes or a more engaging processes in one of your workplaces or from your previous experiences. I think that would be great to maybe try to single out a single event on which we can ponder.
2: Yeah, uh, I can tell you a story. Some years ago, uh, I was supporting a team that was responsible for a set of core services for the for the business. This is before Slack and increase previous job experience. And when I joined the organization, what I saw was the team was in this constant um, interruptions mode. Right, multiple questions would come. The team was trying to execute the roadmap, right? Uh, but interruptions kept coming. Like different teams would ask for questions. The whole team would focus on answering those questions, and there was this constant, you know, sense of interruptions. So as, as I reported to the team, you know, against following mm-hmm. these. Uh, points I was mentioning earlier, and one-on-ones listening to the team, how each one of them perceived this, I I started discovering some things. Some things were happening, right? The first thing was the team didn't have the space to, what I like to describe, productize their systems, their APIs, so that, for example, documentation wasn't great. So the team, you know, instead of sending folks perhaps documentation will rely on on answering questions, right? So that was the first thing I saw. The second thing I saw was there was this, perhaps the code itself and it was was architected needed a little bit more, again, documentation, but in the code to help others to understand how this will, will work. And then there was this sense of urgency, right, for the business, because this was this set of core services that, without that, other teams couldn't build at the top of. Multiple teams will come to say, "Hey, oh my God, you know, I need we need to achieve this in two or three weeks more. Can you help us to unlock this?" And and the team will say, "Of course, we want to be good teammates. Uh, we want to help you." So I saw these three themes around the, the challenge. So um, as a, as a process opportunity. I proposed this to the team and explained why, why it was important. There is a book called The Goal that called, talks about the theory of constraints. And I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, what, what The theory of constraints, what it means in practice is every organization has constraints. Constraints that, you know, and as the work core constraint says, limit our impact, you know, limit the amount of value we can deliver to the organization. And in that in that, in that context, the team was, the constraint was the time of the teammates. You know, like we had like of course limited number of teammates, and of course, you know, we can always hire more, but that wouldn't solve the issue. The number of questions, interruptions will continue. So the constraint the constraint was that like hey, we have just limited number of hours a day. What I propose to the team is, is let's say let's say let's put a system in place, let's put a process in place. First that like, let's put a sandbox to the cost, that the cost of the interruptions. Right now, the cost is paid by the entire team.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's
2: sandbox it, the cost to a certain number of hours a week. And then the way we we decided to do this was, okay, we will define a rotation of one teammate a week just to be available to answer these questions. We sandbox the cost. So now instead of everybody answering questions, now we sandbox the cost to one teammate. And that's a rotation. We understand that. The second point of the strategy was to amplify the constraint. We need to amplify the constraint in terms of uh, what gives the number of hours, in other words, what gives the information is information to others to be empowered to do you know, the implementations and the roadmap. So, so okay, what they need for that is information, they need context. So great, let's start building the documentation, right, uh, that will empower others then to use all this set of core APIs to build those services. And then the, the third step, we say, okay, now let's connect one and two. When folks come to ask questions, let's dog food all this documentation and send to them, say, hey, tell us if the answer is here. If not here, tell us where you're missing it so we can add it. And we start investing like that. And actually, after a quarter, we start getting less questions. And the team, we have more space, and we keep going down this path to keep amplifying documentation, engaging with others to say, okay, use our documentation, tell us what's missing, and repeat, repeat. Obviously, it was you know, to, uh, at the start, it was challenging because... The teams, the partner teams were not used to this. They were used to get the quick answer, right? But this is where in process the why becomes so important, right, and that storytelling. And we will say, okay, and you know, part of my job too was to engage with other leaders in the organization to explain, say, we need your help, we need your buy-in. If we don't do this, we won't be able to scale, right? (laughs) So help us in this process. And, and, you know, the team was great and we were able to do these. and, you know, after a couple of, after the first quarter and then the following quarters, this constraint was amplified, you know, in terms of information and the teams were more locked.
1: If you allow me, I think that story really gives off a couple great takeaways. Uh, First of all, that the process doesn't need to be future proof in the sense that it always has to be the process that we go to. It can be just a process to kind of help the team out of a ditch in a sense. And then maybe a process is best when it, on the long run, makes itself not useful. So Mm -hmm. that if your team doesn't get any more questions, there is no need for a process of making these questions answered. It also made me think a lot about change management. You said you had to engage with the leaders who were on your level, who had the teams asking questions of your team, everything in process management just seems to point back to the human interactions that you mentioned previously and that you talked about clearly communicating the goals behind the processes and behind the changes that the new process uh, might entail. With all of that said... Some of the key takeaways from me are how new processes are useful only if you have first looked at the team who is going to operate those processes. You mentioned one-on-ones and you mentioned making sure that the metrics are good for everyone. And you mentioned kind of looking at the before picture and making sure that people are open to the new processes rather than having a people problem and not being able to fix Mm -hmm. um, whatever is at hand by new processes. You also mentioned uh, making sure to check back and seeing whether or not the process delivers together with the people who are operating it, which I think is a really great point. A lot of us forget and Maybe I should only talk about myself. But uh, a lot of us forget, you know, we create a new process. We think everything is going well, but we need to check back and make sure that whatever we have implemented actually makes the lives of the people who are using it easier. And you also mentioned one of the red flags is um, making sure that we resist the temptation to optimize too early. That's a double-edged sword, of course, but um, it sounds like a lot of process creation is human interaction and making sure that people are on the same page, understand why they are implementing processes and also how this is going to make their lives easier. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners, be it an experience or be it a word of warning or be it some tips and tricks if they are in the midst of implementing new processes for the people?
2: Yeah. What I will say is that, Karina, you describe it awesome in the sense that first, let's make sure everybody sees the why and the current state. Everybody agrees and they can see it because once you know that will that will allow folks to to get the buy for the process. If the team and the folks that uh, will use this process cannot see what's driving that that context, it's going to be really difficult for for them to do it and understand the why and give you feedback. Also say, hey, is this working? Is this helping me? So really invest time in that part of change management, right? Um, that helps all of, all of us, a part of the, the organization, to understand this. This what this is why I see this is. This is what I think we should, you know, we should do the process. And this is the reason why. Do you folks agree? Like, what do you think? And just engaging in that conversation. And then, yeah, having check-ins to say, how's it going? Is it working? This kind of like continuous improvement culture where, you know, a process is not set once in stone, right? It evolves with time. So that's the responsibility of all leaders to, you know, something I tell myself, as so well, accountable is having those check-ins with the team and say, "Hey, how's this working? Is this helping? Is there any proposal that we can make it better?" And make folks part of that process to improve the process and and make it collaborative with them. Ultimately, teammates using any process in place are the best equipped to tell you, you know, how it can be better. So, I- engaging in that conversation with them. And also to your point earlier, it's like you help understand what the business needs, and having these two worlds connecting does does the job that any effective leader does.
1: Right. Thank you so much. I think those are those are excellent words to set our north star to. Thank you for this conversation. I think we have established that any kind of process needs to be a lot more human centered than what we are used to, perhaps. You were director of engineering at Shutterstock and you worked at Squarespace and now you're at Slack. Where can our listeners follow your work if they think that this is something that they might be interested in?
2: Yeah, I will say folks can add me on LinkedIn. They can look for my name, they will find me. And also they can follow all the work we're doing in, in the platform team at Slack. You know, we have Twitter and folks also can follow us on the website. So I, I would say to go, you know, to slack.com So they can can find all their work and also follow us on Twitter. You know, the, the Slack account, but also the platform account on Twitter.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. I will also add that, dearest listeners and watchers, if you found some awesome tips based on this conversation, or if you would like to add something to this conversation, find Level Up Engineering on Twitter and make sure to give us a shout out and tell us what you have used from this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us, Rod. Dearest listeners and watchers, this was Rod Garcia, VP of engineering for platform at Slack. And we talked about creating more engaging processes for our employees. I am Carolina Toth, and I hope to see you next time.
0: Thanks for staying with Level Up Engineering. If you enjoyed this podcast, so will your friends. Share this episode on your favorite social networking platform. To stay up to date with our content, follow Level Up Engineering on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast. Brought to you by Coding Sands, a software development agency building web applications with Angular and Node.js. Check them out at CodingSands.com.